talk about the relationship. It's kind of a kind of a goofy little thing, but as I was reading God's word, it kind of stopped me and made me think. Um, one thing I think I've told you in God's word is no uh, no detail is in the Bible by accident. Uh, no verses in there by accident no passages in there by accident so one of the things i find myself if i read something and it just doesn't not that it doesn't make sense but it doesn't make sense why it's in the bible a lot of times i have stopped uh, and tried to dig a little deeper to answer that question because i again our our bible does not have everything in it under the sun you know it is uh it doesn't have, it's not a complete uh, history book, um, but everything that's historical is true. It's not a complete science book, but anything scientific is true. It's not a uh, complete book about behavior or psychology, but everything in that is true, you know, and I could go on and on. And even when it has biographies of people's lives in here, it's, they're very short, you know, very, uh, the law's very short, the uh, people's lives are very short, the, uh, the proverbs are very short, you know, so it's very concise. Uh, so anything in here, I believe every single thing in this book is in here for a purpose. Uh, and one of the things we can challenge ourselves is as we're daily uh, reading God's word, if we see something that, again, doesn't make sense, uh, we can stop and we can ask God to help us with that. And, uh, and I believe that he will. Uh, so I'm going to see if we can uh, gather a couple things out of here with King Solomon and King Hiram and their relationship together. So King Solomon, remember, that's the son of King David. And one of the big things that King Solomon uh, was to do was to build the temple, build the house of the Lord. Uh, and in, that's kind of mentioned in 1 Chronicles 29. Uh, but in 1 Kings chapter 5, Solomon has begun his reign uh, he's taking care of some things in the early first couple chapters of First Kings. But now that we get to chapter 5, he's starting to actually do what God wants him to do. So this is the building uh, of the temple, the beginnings of it, the preparations of it. Uh, so First Kings uh, chapter 5 verse 5 says, And behold, I purpose to build a house under the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build a house unto my name. Now therefore command thou uh, that they hew me cedar trees out of Lebanon, and my servants shall be with thy servants. And unto thee will I give hire from my servants according uh, to all that thou shalt appoint. For thou knowest that there is not among us any that can skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians. And it came to pass when Hiram heard the words of Solomon that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, which hath given unto David a wise son over this great people. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have considered the things which thou sentest to me for, and I will do uh, all thy desire concerning timber of cedar and concerning timber of fir. Uh, my servant shall bring them down from Lebanon unto the sea, and I will convey them by the sea in floats unto the place that thou shalt appoint me, and will cause them to be discharged there, and thou shalt receive them, and thou shalt accomplish my desire in giving food for my household. So let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for uh, what it has for us today. And Lord, I, I 
pray that we can just uh, uh, that we can dig into the, your word today, Lord. That we can uh, glean from it tonight. We can learn from it, be challenged, uh, and Lord, help us as we study your word. Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to teach and to help, Lord, tonight in all things. And in Jesus' name, we pray. And Amen. So we see this deal that's being set up. Uh, so Solomon was not only building the temple, but he would also build a palace. Uh, he would build different things. So he needed uh, lots of wood, and he didn't want just any wood. He wanted the best. So the, that cedar, that fir out of the Lebanon area uh, was some of the best of that time and that day. Uh, and that Hiram is the king of that area who had been friends with David, his father. Uh, so he is uh, sending word. Solomon is basically making this deal because he's going to need a whole lot more timber uh, for his building projects. Uh, and then down, we didn't read it, but down in verse 11, uh, Solomon says what he's going to repay him with. And that is uh, wheat and pure oil. Uh, so they got leather, or they've got the cedar, the trees. Uh, the lumber is coming down, the timber uh, is coming down into Israel, into Jerusalem, and then they are giving food uh, in return. So it sounds like a good deal, uh, but again, one of the things, not as much this, this explains you know, some of the building materials that we're going to see later. <clears throat> But this league, this arrangement goes on uh, year after year, and it works for both of them. Uh, there is peace between these two nations. Uh, they're building. Uh, Solomon is building. Uh, they're working together. Everything goes great. And now I want to flip over to chapter 9. So a couple pages over, 1 Kings chapter 9. We're just going to read a couple verses. Uh, this tells us what happens 20 years later. So this deal uh, starts, it goes on for 20 years, and now we're getting to the end of it. So 1 Kings 9.10, And it came to pass at the end of 20 years when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house. Now Hiram, the king of Tyre, had furnished Solomon with cedar trees and fir trees and with gold according to all his desire. Uh, that then King Solomon gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. And Hiram came out from Tyre to see those cities which Solomon had given him. And they pleased him not. And he, and he said, What cities are these which thou hast given me, my brother? And he called them uh, the land of Kabul unto this day. And Hiram sent to the king six score talents of gold. So we get to this uh, part of the passage, and this is the one that kind of confused me uh, there in chapter 9, uh, this part of it. Uh, uh, part of it was I wasn't sure, you know, you're wondering why he didn't like the cities, but then also my question is, why is this here? You know, I can understand them getting into the deal. I can understand the, the back and forth. I can understand these things. But now, 20 years later, why is the Bible talking about the end of this deal? And in its face, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And that's where I said I had to kind of slow down and dig a little deeper. Um, but one of the things that we see in verse 11 at the end of the deal, then King Solomon gave Hiram 20 cities in the land of Galilee. So the building projects took 20 years. We've got the timber exchanged for the food uh, and everything else. There's cooperation. Verse 11 tells us there's also gold in there. That wasn't part of the initial deal, but uh, Hiram was also sending gold. Uh, and now as a reward, King Solomon gives him 20 cities. And as we were just looking at it, uh, Hiram comes out, verse 12, to see those cities 
And they pleased him not. He did not like what he saw. And he's questioning in verse 13. And he called them the land of Kabul unto this day. So you think about, they had been business partners for 20 years. Everything had been great. Uh, that both sides were benefiting. And Solomon gives them 20 cities. He goes out, looks at them, and says, I don't like it. I don't like them. Uh, and in fact, the land of Kabul, that Kabul means good for nothing. You've given me 20 cities that are good for nothing, is what he's saying. You know, and I, I stopped and I started to think about this. See, you got to remember Solomon is a king. He's a, the king of Israel. So we know uh, that there are certain rules for kings. We've mentioned this a few times before, but Deuteronomy 17, uh, I'm going to read two verses that give some rules. Uh, 17, 16 says, but he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses for as much as the Lord has said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way neither shall he multiply wives to himself that his heart turn not away neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold God said the king should multiply horses. The problem is 2 Chronicles 9.25, Solomon had 4,000 stalls for horses and chariots and 12,000 horsemen. He didn't follow that, right? God said kings should multiply wives. 1 Kings 11.3, he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. He didn't listen to that, right? Shouldn't multiply horses, shouldn't multiply wives, should multiply gold. First Kings 9.13, he gets nine, uh, that verse that we looked at, 9,000 pounds of gold from Hiram. 9,000. We measure golden ounces, and these are pounds of gold. Uh, and then later on in verse 28, uh, at the near the end of chapter 9, 31 and a half thousand pounds of gold from Ophir. These are numbers that are just crazy. And the value is is astronomical for it. So uh, God is saying for kings, I don't want you to do certain things. I don't want you to multiply horses because then you will rely on your horses and chariots instead of relying unto me. I don't want you to multiply wives. And he tells them why. They're going to turn your heart away from me. And they did. I don't want you to multiply gold because that will, again, that will uh, not cause you to rely on God, but to rely on your gold. And then later on in in Deuteronomy 17, verse 18, And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom that he shall write him a copy of the law and a book of that which is before the priest of the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. The, uh, I, ever since I first really noticed it, it's amazed me that the requirement for any king of Israel was to write out the law by hand and to keep that copy of the law for themselves. And the Bible says to read it every day so that they can fear the Lord, so that they can follow the Lord, they can do the Lord's will and do the Lord's work. And I've ne I can't find where any king actually did that. I can't find where David did that or anyone else. Uh, and you, you may be thinking, well, I don't... I don't understand what this really has to do with us. We're not the kings of Israel. But I'll tell you one thing. We don't have to handwrite a copy, but we need, to be in the, uh, we need to be in the book every day, right? We need to be in this uh, to realize what God wants of us, to realize uh, how we can live a life pleasing to him in the fear of God, a reverence of God, and trying to live a righteous and holy life. And if Solomon would have done this, 
he would have been reminded of these things, right? He would have been reminded about what God told him not to do, and it would have saved him future pain. And here's one of the things he would have written out, just one verse. Leviticus 25, 23. The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. So when the Lord was talking about the promised land, he told them point blank, you are not going to sell any part of it. You're not selling it. It's not yours to sell. And in fact, the closest they would get is they were able to kind of lease the land. But then on the year of Jubilee, it would go back to the original owner. So depending on how many years until that happened would be how much you would pay for that lease. And even if your land was leased away and the Jubilee hadn't, the year of Jubilee wasn't close, that kinsman redeemer could come and redeem it and buy it back. Right? We've seen these different things in the Bible. But what's the problem? Why is he giving away 20 cities in Galilee where the, tribe, uh, where the tribe of Naphtali, that was their area, why was he giving these away as part of a business deal to a foreign king? He never should have done that, right? He's, he's, he's getting gold. He's giving cities away. That's selling the land. The Lord said the land shall not be sold forever. So here's where you struggle is because you're looking at Solomon and you're saying, now wait a second, I just read a couple chapters before where he started his reign and uh, he had just worshipped the Lord. He had just sacrificed, uh, you know, like a thousand animals to the Lord uh, at the beginning. And the Lord asked him that night, what does he want? What do you want from me? And he asked for wisdom. We know this story. Uh, he asked for wisdom and God not only gives him wisdom, uh, but prosperity, uh, long life, peace from his enemies. He gives him all these things and then you struggle. You're saying, now, wait a second. God gave him more wisdom than anyone else. What's the problem here? What's the problem? He, he is given all this wisdom, but I think the problem with Solomon over and over again, it's in his head, but he's not acting on it. He knows the right thing to do. Like if you went to him, he could tell you the right thing. Right? I think it's the next chapter, the Queen of Sheba visits. He can tell her everything that you need to do, but he's not doing it himself. Right? Because he, he should have never done a whole bunch of these things as being king. He should have known better. Israel's land was not for sale. Right? God knew that the timber, uh, here's the thing, you're, you're selling this land for timber that's either going to rot, get eaten by termites, or the enemy's going to uh, burn it up or, or tear it down or whatever. Right? The, uh, the gold would change hands many times. Uh, whoever won in battle, that, that gold didn't stay in Israel's hands forever. It was taken. Right? Babylonians, different ones, they took it and it got passed around and everything else. That food would be eaten quickly. But God said, I've given that land to Abraham's seed forever. So how could you think you could even sell it? God shouldn't even have to tell them that they shouldn't be able to sell it. But he did. But he saw it. King Solomon saw it as a business deal with his business partner. But here's the problem. King Hiram, what he forgot is King Hiram lived Tyre, which is on the Mediterranean Sea. So he's got oceanfront property right beach property and behind him he's got mountains uh with uh with trees and everything else 
He doesn't want the small Sea of Galilee area. He doesn't want that, right? Which is a guess, but I'm guessing that's one of the problems. Or, or the cities weren't up to what he wanted or something like that. But here's the thing. The Bible doesn't really describe it. Because uh, I see some people explaining what I just said, that maybe, uh, maybe they didn't like it. You know, maybe he didn't like the type of area. He, he loved living on the coast. He didn't see the value. The Bible doesn't say that. And then the flip side, some people say, well, uh, Solomon's just being really stingy, right? He's giving them, yeah, here, just take these 20 cities and I get all this gold in return. The Bible doesn't say that either. And you can guess one way or another. But here's the thing. Whatever is going on, I think this is showing the mercy of God. Because God said not to sell that land. And there's Solomon trying to sell it. And it can't be sold, right? It's not going to be sold because that would ruin God's promise. So what happens? The mercy of God, it's not allowed to be sold. How's it not allowed to be sold? King Hiram doesn't want it, right? He doesn't want it. And that's why I was thinking that's why this is here. Because this is showing one of the ways that I believe God, he's a sovereign God, right? And he's got uh, this king that knows better, that's trying to sell away the land to the enemy. But he knows that that, or not enemy, but that foreign king, he knows that he doesn't want those things. 2 Chronicles 8.2 tells us the rest of the story. That the cities which Hiram had restored to Solomon, Solomon built them and caused the children of Israel to dwell there. So Hiram goes, looks at the cities, realizes he doesn't like them. They're not for me. They're, they're worthless, basically. There's no good use, cabal, uh, all of these things. He's saying, I don't like it. And he ends up just giving them back. They're worth so little to me here. You can just have them back. And what happens? Solomon decides to repair them, rebuild them, strengthen them, and have his people live in them. And here's the thing. This is what Solomon should have done in the first place, right? This is God's uh, land. This is his territory. This is the promised land. This is where they should have been. You know what this tells me? God gave King Solomon a second chance right here. He was about to throw it away, commit a grave error, and God gives him another chance. But at least on the second chance, he makes good on this one. But the problem is Solomon over and over again is disobeying the Lord. And that's the thing. You look at his life. He was given what? He was given wealth. He was given peace from his enemies. He was given great wisdom and everything else. And this is what you find him doing over and over again. You find him going against what God says needs to happen. And that is a reminder to me because, uh, you know, what do I say over and over again? We need to get in our Bibles. We need to study our Bibles. We need to learn them. We need to apply them to our life. But here's the thing. If, we, if that knowledge stops at the head and doesn't go any further, we're in trouble. We're no better than Solomon. And I don't want to do that in my life. Because the effects, the, the problem is the downstream effects are bad. Everything that happens uh, after that, yeah, sure, Solomon's fine in his life. He doesn't have to do a whole lot, but I think that's part of his problem. All the prosperity, all the wealth, all the knowledge, everything, all it ends up is he relies on himself a lot. 
He does a lot of these building projects, but in the beginning he was relying on God, but I'm not seeing him rely on God later. I'm seeing him rely on his business deal. And here's the thing. We could fall in that same trap too. But aren't you glad God gives more chances? Amen. Aren't you glad that God, there are times that God literally stops us from doing things that we shouldn't be doing. And I thank God for that. Yes, we have free will, but he's also sovereign. And there have been times where he, I know, has stopped me from doing something that I knew that I, there was, it, it didn't necessarily have to be a sinful thing, but it was something that if I had went down that path, my life would have been drastically different. And I'm glad God stopped that. He's a good God, isn't he? He is. Now, he's not going to do that every time, but I'm glad he does that. He's a good God, and we look at this business arrangement, and I think I can start to see why it's in here, start to give us a little clue that even in the everyday, even in the decisions we make, even in the deals that we make or whatever, even though we're not kings, we, we have to do different deals and things like that, not, not of this scale, but also remembering God and even the day-to-day, -day, right? Even in the business side of our lives, even in the, uh, those types of things, we need to remember God. And we need to remember his word. And I'm thankful that he's got something in his word for our whole life. He's got something for everything. And if we would just follow it, what do we realize? God has us do things a certain way for a reason. It's in our best interests. And I'm thankful for God. We may not be writing out the law like a king, but I'm glad that we're digging into his word and we're going from one end to the other. A lot of us are, and then when we get to the end, we start over again. And uh, what amazes me is how many times you read something and then God shows you again. And God shows you something new, and it's a blessing. You know, one of the promises that God made, I didn't put it exactly in my notes, but one of the promises God made to Solomon several times that I've got written down is that he told him, he said, if you would follow my statutes, if you would follow my commandments, I will give you a long reign, basically. I'll give you a long life. A blessing. You know, I think about that. We're not all promised, and this is not a health and wealth thing, but I'll tell you one thing. When you follow God's will and you follow and try to live a righteous life, it's a lot safer of a life than a lot of this world is living. Amen. There are ones that, um, you know, up the road, just up the road over there, they were pulling someone out of a house. It was gone. Drugs and everything else. And it's just, that's what sin does. You know, in another one of those situations, who knew, who knows how long a person was in there. Just, it's a mess. This world is a mess. But I'm glad that even in this mess, we've got a hope in Jesus Christ. We were at the cemetery yesterday uh, looking around. And I, I didn't know how many Christians were buried, but I knew there'd be a, quite a few in there. And I was thinking, can you imagine one day these graves are opening up? Right? We, a lot of times we put people in the ground and it seems like that's it. But, you know, and a lot of time passes and things decompose and everything else. But God knows where everybody's at. He knows where he has not lost track of anything. And I'm thankful that we have a real hope in Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to...